This show was previously recorded from 2019. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Of the United States of America. And to the Republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty. from Hawaii. He wrote that back in 1976, and that came in as a request, so there you go. Uh, Happy to play it, and uh, a sweet voice, too. Nice. Uh, Welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. I'm sitting here with Uncle Milty, and uh, we were talking about the 4th of July, because that's tomorrow, of course, and just uh, really kind of discussing the Declaration of Independence and, and what it's about and why. And I thought that Coolidge's 1926 speech, if you can read the whole thing, it's really amazing. He goes through the tenets of the, um, the preamble, and, and he goes through the tenets that talk about, uh, I mean, it took a lot of courage uh, to uh, go up against the king. That, that, I mean, they knew they were, could lose their lives. And so all of the, the, the tenets of the um, Declaration of Independence are so necessary to understand uh, for uh, to, to even, I think, partake in fireworks and to even be present during this, uh, how blessed we are in this nation for that. And I think it's a good memory. It's a good, it's a good, um, um, I think telling our kids, really instructing them about the kind of people it took to do this because it wasn't out of anger. And a lot of people are going to see the, 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 the liberal left and what they're doing is, well, they're, they're protesting. And, and so that's, that's a form of protest. No, that's just anger and hatred. That yeah. isn't, that isn't what, that, that isn't what founded this country. What founded this country was organized and full of thought. They're, 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 what they're doing is not a legitimate mm-hmm. protest because they have no goal. Yeah. It's all emotion-based stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we want what we want. Right. And you're not giving it to us. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. all they're saying. It has nothing to do with principles. No. Nope. Nothing to do with... Nothing to do with principles, what's good, what's right. Yep. It just We is... want what we want. Yeah. And you're not giving it to us. Right. Right. And uh, and so it was a real uh, kind of hearkening back to the people that did this, how um, amazing they were and how um, they were very um, conservative in thought, not conservative the way we talk about it, but just their thinking around this. It was well thought out. So, yeah, the progressives, you know, the progressives were rejected once before. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was that uh, under Teddy Roosevelt, the progressives were actually quite popular at first. Until their policies really began to show what mm-hmm. what they were really talking about, right. income tax, the Fed, uh, mm-hmm. w- w- the idea that they could decide what was best for you, right, like right. prohibition, and and when people started realizing, hey, these people just want to tell us how to live. Mm-hmm. They were rejected. Right. They sprung up again. Right. That's the problem. Yes, yes. So here is uh, Paul Harvey talking <clears throat> about the signers of a Declaration of Independence. I always love Paul Harvey. Here you go. You may not be able to quote one line from the Declaration of Independence at this moment. Henceforth, you'll always be able to quote at least one line. 
It's in the last paragraph where you will recall when I remind you, it says, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In the Pennsylvania State House that's now called Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the best men from each of the colonies sat down together. This was a very fortunate hour in our nation's history, one of those rare occasions in the lives of men when we had greatness to spare. These were men of means, well-educated, 24 were lawyers and jurists, nine were farmers, owners of large plantations. On June 11, a committee sat down to draw up a declaration of independence. We were going to tell the British fatherland, no more rule by redcoats. Below the dam of ruthless foreign rule, the stream of freedom was running shallow and muddy. And we were going to like a fuse to dynamite that dam. This pact, as Burke later put it, was a partnership between the living and the dead and the yet unborn. There was no bigotry. There was no demagoguery in this group. All had shared hardship. Jefferson finished a draft of the document in 17 days. Congress adopted it in July, and so much is familiar history. But now, King George III had denounced all rebels in America as traitors. Punishment for treason was hanging. The names now so familiar to you from the several signatures on that Declaration of Independence, the names were kept secret for six months for each knew the full meaning of that magnificent last paragraph in which his signature pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. Fifty-six men placed their names beneath that pledge. Fifty-six men knew when they signed that they were risking everything. They knew if they won this fight, the best they could expect would be years of hardship in a struggling nation. And if they lost, they'd face a hangman's rope. But they signed the pledge. And here is the documented fate of that gallant 56. Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter, trader, saw his ships swept from the seas to pay his debt. He lost his home and all of his properties and died in rags. Thomas Lynch Jr., who signed that pledge, was a third-generation rice grower, aristocrat, large plantation owner. After he signed, his health failed, his wife and he set out for France to regain his failing health. Their ship never got to France, was never heard from again. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty and in hiding. Vandals looted the properties of Ellery and Clymer and Hall and Gwinnett and Walton and Hayward and Rutledge and Middleton. Thomas Nelson, Jr. of Virginia, raised $2 million on his own signature to provision our allies, the French fleet. After the war, he personally paid back the loans, wiped out his entire estate, and he was never reimbursed by his government. In the final battle for Yorktown, he, Nelson, urged General Washington to fire on his, Nelson's own home, which was occupied by Cornwallis. It was destroyed. Thomas Nelson, Jr. had pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. The Hessians seized the home of Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed, his wife imprisoned. He died within a few months. Richard Stockton, who signed that declaration, was captured, mistreated. 
his health broken to the extent that he died at 51, his estate was pillaged. Thomas Hayward Jr. was captured when Charleston fell. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and grist mill were laid waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. And he died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Lewis Morris saw his land destroyed, his family scattered. Philip Livingston died within a few months from the hardships of the war. John Hancock, history remembers best due to a quirk of fate rather than anything he stood for, that great sweeping signature attesting to his vanity, towers over the others, one of the wealthiest men in New England. And yet he stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war, and he said, burn Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar, if the public good requires it. So he, too, lived up to the pledge. Of the 56, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston sacked, looted, occupied by the enemy, or burned. Two lost their sons in the army. One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. I don't know what impression you had had of the men who met that summer in Philadelphia. But I think it's important that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. They were rich men, most of them, and had enjoyed much ease and luxury in their personal living. Not hungry men, certainly not terrorists, not irresponsible malcontents, not fanatical incendiaries. These men were prosperous men, wealthy landowners. They were substantially secure in their prosperity. They had everything to lose. But they considered liberty, and this is as much as I shall say of it. They had learned that liberty is so much more important than security that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they fulfilled their pledge. They paid the price. And freedom was born. We hold these truths wow. to be so Here we go. that all men are created equal they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at all the sacrifices that were made, what's interesting about this is on, uh, on YouTube, this got 26 thumbs down. How do you... <laughs> How do you give a thumbs down to that? Um, everybody lost everything. Loved ones, fortunes, uh, killed by the British. Um, for the sake of them sitting on YouTube, giving it 26 thumbs down. Thank you, millennials. You live on. <laughs> anyway, uh, interesting. Um, I loved 
I loved what he said about each each of these men, yes. uh, as many men as he could talk about, because if we don't know the true sacrifices that were made, it's really hard to understand what was at stake. Yes. And, and you know, today, today we're in a situation where, once again, men have to come together and be willing to, to do that same thing. And one of the things, and I, you know, I know a lot of people will get upset by this statement, but President Trump mm-hmm. had nothing to gain by taking this on at all. Yeah. And everything to lose. You're right. Including his life. You're right. He didn't have to. There was nothing, nothing. to attain. No, nothing for him to attain. It had to be for the love of this nation. I, I don't see any other reason. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, I'll take a quick call. Uh, Caller, you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Hi, Kate Daly, you're having a fantastic show. Thank you so much for Thank sharing you. all that. Thank uh, you. I just wanted to remind the, the uh, meeting. Yep, Thursday I know. At we'll, at the, uh, we'll make sure and announce that on Facebook. Grove. We yep. need to take it back, okay? You got it. We'll make sure and announce that on Facebook. Uh, I'll tell you something. The... Um, the, the Declaration of Independence, if you were going to teach your kids only one thing, it would be that. Yes. Because the Constitution, um, and, and actually Glenn Beck said this, he actually, I actually agreed with him on this, that the Declaration of Independence is the House plan. This is what the plan will look like. The Constitution are the nails in the wood that make that happen. And and so if you were going to share anything with your kids or grandkids, it would be the understanding of this. And I commend Paul Harvey in putting that together. I thought that was great. And he surely is missed. What a great storyteller. Yes. And I love Coolidge's speech. I think I think outlining or or maybe talking about that with our kids is so important that we make sure they understand what's going on in this country right now and how twisted that can be into thinking that that is the way to cause change um, from some of these really violent groups. That is not how you cause change in this country no. um, and, and hold feet to the fire. So I think there's some really important things here that we need to address with our kids and grandkids that I think we just kind of think that along the way they're learning this. <laughs> they are surely not learning this. And it, and it makes me have a kind of a fire in my belly to do this. Ellieradio.com for the podcast. Maybe you should play this for your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, your circle. Who knows? Uh, But uh, we'll be right back. KateDallyRadio.com.